The short side option is brought to you by the email boys. Do you like winning? Do you like money? Do you like hot people? Well, sounds like you might be an email boy. But guess what? Too bad. You can't be. It's football season, but you know what they say. It ain't November until Dewan Gordon hits that baseline jumper. And just like Dewan, the cats are smooth and sexy. The email boys are here for it all. The email boys can lay it up and throw it down. Just like sweet Louis Cologne at a Super Bowl party with Tolan Tobacco Products. The K-State faithful should have no fear against the Pokes. Just like Will Spradling had no fear knocking down corner threes. The Pokes are as soft as a Marcus Smart flop. Gundy has been tied up watching OAN, so you know he hasn't had any time to ring up any new plays. The law firm of Deuce, Shabashian, McPherson, a.k.a. DCM, are going to come to play. The Pokes will be able to walk away. I know in the bill the crowd will be light, but those damn Wildcats will bring the fight. Buy Bitcoin. That has been brought to you by the email boys. Icon, hit it! Nice to have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, As we look back, I've got uh, a new co-host here for the weekend. Uh, We've got got Norm here filling in for D-Lou. As we look back at K-State's 37-10 loss at the hands of the West Virginia Mountaineers, a game that K-State... You know, quite frankly, was really never overly competitive in, and they uh, they drop one on the road in Morgantown, uh, 37 to 10. However, all uh, all things are right in front of K State here as as um, they drop to four and one in conference play, but still control their own destiny in terms of getting to the Big 12 title game and, and setting up what could be a very special season. So uh, we're going to break down the West Virginia game and look ahead to what is a big time matchup this weekend, three o'clock at home, Bill Snyder Family Stadium against Oklahoma State. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. I've got Norm with me here. K-State uh, drops one 37-10 to the Mountaineers in a game that the offense never really quite found its footing and uh, put the defenses into some tough positions throughout the day. K-State just really was probably their most lackluster performance uh, to date so far this season in terms of how the offense played. And you know, West Virginia with having a having a good defense, uh, defensive line created havoc for Will Howard all day. Uh, but I want to bring in Norm here. Uh, Norm, great to have you with us here as we uh, we look at this uh, this game against West Virginia and we look ahead to what uh, K State has on the plate this weekend against Oklahoma State. Yep, uh, pleasure to be here, Icon. Uh, definitely enjoy listening to the podcast and and hopefully I can enjoy. Hosting it just as much, uh, tall task. But yeah, well, you're up to it though. I know you are. Well, we will see. We will see. Well, you know what we did see on uh, on the previous Saturday was K State just being really kind of getting behind the eight ball early. Uh, K State did score first, however, uh, getting a Blake Lynch field goal uh, to kind of get the scoring underway for K State. Um, and you know. It was a game that, quite frankly, you thought K-State, if they were going to win at this game, they were going to need to probably score, you know, 24, 28 points at least to have a chance. And, and the offense was out of sorts from the beginning, and, and it really continued throughout the rest of the day. Yeah, I think that it finally caught up to K-State not being able to trot an experienced quarterback out there. Sure. I think we really saw – the effect of having Skylar Thompson injured um, start to catch up with us. However, all in all, uh, you know, I, I mean, having one conference loss at this point is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it's about what you would have signed up for, you know, through six games when you look at, uh, you know, K State four and two, four and one in conference. You know, you, you look at this and you say, you know, you you think you probably dropped the game to to Oklahoma. You probably drop one. Uh, somewhere in between, too. Uh, but K-State's, you know, kind of ahead of schedule in terms of where they thought they might be this season. Now, granted, there's a lot of season left, and K-State's schedule it doesn't get any easier, of course, with uh, with uh, another team that's right at the top of the conference with Oklahoma State this week. Um, but really, when you look at it, I think what you mentioned with Skylar Thompson, you know, and this is Will Howard's, I think it was his toughest test to date in terms of going on the road. I mean, of course, being a, 
Uh, a guy from the East Coast, he had a lot of family and friends there uh, watching the game. I guess I don't know how many friends. I, mean, I don't know if it was a lot. Maybe it was five, ten, whatever the case it was, was. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was, it was, a, it was a, great, a big swath of uh, Will Howard fans from Downingtown, Pennsylvania. However, you know, K-State, I, I thought they, when they came out that first couple of possessions and they, they seemed to want to try to loosen this West Virginia team up to kind of try to create opportunities for the run game. And, and quite frankly, that's the story of the game to me. Is K-State wasn't able to get anything going on the ground throughout the day. 23 carries for 41 yards. Comes out to less than two yards a carry. I, I made the mention last week on the podcast that if K-State was going to come out and win this game and, and come out and, and really play well, I thought they had to find creative ways in the run game to, to get some to get some momentum going on that side of the ball. And, they, and quite frankly, they didn't. Uh, and granted, that's... Got to give credit to West Virginia's defense. Uh, their defensive line was was in K-State's backfield throughout the day. But I made the mention last week, in games that West Virginia had given up 100 yards of rushing, uh, they were over. They, at the time, they were 0-3 uh, in, in those games. But when they gave up uh, less than 100, undefeated. So when you see that kind of – or 0-2, excuse me – when allowing 100 yards or less, uh, when they allowed more than 100 yards, um, open two. So when you when you look at that side of things, it, it was easy to see what K State kind of needed to do in terms of a blueprint in that game, and uh, had had really no success to speak of on the ground. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was just the fact that West Virginia didn't ever really have to respect the passing game, so it allowed their talented defensive line to really lock in and and they didn't really have too much problem finding success well let's let's go kind of transition here slightly to what West Virginia did offensively here with uh, with what they were doing Jared Daigie had a nice game two touchdowns 300 yards passing also Letty Brown going over 100 uh, on the ground for West Virginia that was a guy that we highlighted last week as a guy that we needed to really uh, kind of contain but Alex Sinkfeld also stepped in uh, they had a real they, they were able to run the ball uh, 44 times for 184 yards a little over four yards a clip there and quite frankly um, K-State's defense was put in tough positions all afternoon uh, when they weren't able to have much in terms of field position and that defense going out there quite a bit. Yeah, I think K-State really needed West Virginia to make more mistakes than they made offensively. Mm-hmm. We needed sure. a couple breaks, and and unfortunately the Cats just couldn't really force West Virginia into too many tough situations or too many uh, crucial mistakes that could flip the game. And I think that that was kind of why that we were never really, you know, had too much hope um, come the second half. Well, so K-State goes in, into halftime down by, by two scores, uh, 24 to 10, uh, with, a, with a late Malik Knowles uh, touchdown there kind of to close out the first half. And at that point, really, I, at least in my opinion, I felt K-State was in somewhat decent position with as bad as they played in that first half to only be down two scores. Now, granted, uh, you didn't have a whole lot of faith in that offense really picking it up in the second half, but y- you felt, quite frankly, that you were in at least somewhat decent shape going into the break. Uh, West Virginia comes out, has a 14-play, a uh, 57-yard that results in a field goal for Case or for West Virginia. So K-State's now trailing by 17, and then uh, really kind of the dagger in, in any sort of K-State uh, hopes on, on Saturday was uh, going out there and throwing a pick six on a kind of a busted screen pass that West Virginia diagnosed uh, quite well and were able to return for a touchdown, made it 34-10. And at that point, uh, you felt any chances of K-State really making this a game going in the fourth quarter uh, went by the wayside. Definitely. Uh, Got to give some credit to West Virginia. I think it, it seems obvious to me I kind of I, I wasn't really high on West Virginia going into the game. But Neil Brown seems to be making some progress there. And they played a good game. You know, they took advantage of the inexperience at quarterback and K-State not being able to be very dynamic on offense. And they took care of business. So let's kind of transition here to kind of some bigger picture things coming from this West Virginia game. So we mentioned this was Will Howard's worst performance to date. I don't think there's any question about that. 
And, you know, quite frankly, in a, in a situation where he's being pressed into action, probably, well, not probably, definitely ahead of schedule for what, you know, his career and his progression, you know, may have been, uh, you know, may have been planned for uh, prior to the season. You looked at what he had done previously, and you said, you know, he had some qualities that you think can make him a, a good quarterback here in the Big 12 and a good quarterback for Kansas State. And, you know, I don't know if it's maybe in a, a circumstance of him coming out maybe a little bit, um, you know, maybe a little too fired up playing in front of some family and friends and, and going back to his neck of the woods a little bit, but he never really quite got into a rhythm. And I want to kind of just get your thoughts on this, Norm, here. Do you think Scott or do you think uh, Will Howard rather has what it takes really to get K State? I don't know if I'm going to go ahead and, and say that K State is really a. I think most K State fans may may a, a silently agree with this, but in terms of being a real contender the rest of the way of the conference, do you think they're going to get enough solid quarterback play here the rest of the season uh, to be able to challenge some of the better teams uh, on the rest of their schedule? Well. I think they're going to have to get some breaks. I think that Howard's going to continue to improve, but I think that his inexperience is going to cause an issue. I think that if they can get some breaks and if they can really get the run game going, I think he's capable of making plays. Um, you know, he's mobile. He's got a good arm, but he's he's got to get help. And unfortunately, this game, he did not – he he never really had the chance to um, to take advantage of anything. It was it was tough all, all throughout the day because with, with the play calling too, having him come out and throw, I would have liked to see K State lean on that run game a little bit early on uh, to to maybe kind of get him settled in a little bit more. But you know I, I can kind of see what Messingham and the offensive staff are wanting to do in terms of. You know, let's maybe try getting this guy a little bit of confidence early by getting him completing some passes and, and open up that run game because I know I, I have no doubt that that was what the thought process was in terms of how we were wanting to progress this, but it just never really quite happened for K-State. The offense, I guess the one lone bright spot you can bring out of what was you know a, a, a poor game for K-State was you know, we saw Malik Knowles had had his uh, first touchdown reception of the season on a nice uh, little deep ball uh, to him for 35 yards against uh, against this West Virginia defense. And you thought, you know, maybe that that was one thing that I had I had talked about is I'm really looking for Malik Knowles to kind of break back out, so to speak, because he was such a huge part of this offense last season that it seemed like with what we were going to do offensively in terms of the pass game, really revolved around him being available. And last year he, he fought injuries throughout, and this year it's just been he hasn't been quite been able to get into the to the rhythm. And, of course, without Skylar Thompson, who he's been familiar with, you expect to maybe see some of that uh, going forward. But just kind of curious on maybe what your thoughts on, on what positives maybe you can take away from K-State's performance offensively. Yeah, definitely. I think that Howard's continuing to gain more experience. And then I think the big thing with Knowles is if Malik Knowles gets some confidence, which this game may have been enough to just kind of loosen him up a little bit, uh, sometimes you just need a little bit of success to go ahead and get back into a groove. So the Malik Knowles performance, he definitely looked better this game. Um, looked like he got more comfortable. Had, and, a, and, had a nice little return, too, in the kick game. So that, yeah. that was nice to see. And hopefully that kind of gets him going and and really turns him back into the dangerous player that we all know that he has plenty of potential to be and, and, and we've seen him be that player in the past. So I think that is a big positive that we can take away. Well, let's uh, not dwell anymore on the offense. Let's kind of transition here to the defense. Granted, you know, West Virginia was able to really kind of do whatever they wanted to offensively. Uh, unfortunately for the Wildcats on Saturday – as I mentioned, the run game was working for West Virginia. That was one thing that I really was curious to see how Neil Brown, that West Virginia offense, would kind of dial things up. With Neil Brown, it seems to me he kind of wants to rely more on the passing game and not handle the run game as maybe as I think he should. Now, granted, being an outsider kind of of the West Virginia program, I think maybe they should run the ball a little bit more than they than they do uh, previously, because I think Luddy Brown is one of the better running backs in this league, uh, but they were able to get going right away. 
K-State was in tough positions all day defensively, especially when your offense is going three and out and having short drives uh, throughout the game. But in terms of what I saw defensively, kind of some of the concerns that I have from previously is, is more of the same. When I look at what the linebackers were able to do, I didn't really see a whole lot in terms of, of, of doing well in, in, in the run game, obviously, in terms of slowing that down. But also, when, when you see kind of what West Virginia does, they like to get the, the pass, or they like to get their running backs out catch, catching passes. And gosh, they, they seemed like they were using a lot of uh, pre snap movement and sneaking uh, running backs out, in the back, out of the backfield. Uh, to pick up some big big time plays, they were they were kind of motioning us out, kind of getting us spread out, and then beating us on on quick uh, on quick, quick slant passes over the middle. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton three receptions for 104 yards. His big one came on a uh, on a slant pass right over the middle where he crossed his face on on the K State defensive back and, and takes it 58 yards. It's hard for me to be overly critical of the defense, but some of the concerns that I think I that well that I know I had going into this game seem to be a little bit more reinforced in terms of, you know, the the linebackers not covering well out of the backfield, and also you know the defensive backs being put in tough positions uh, with a lot of the run pass option stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I think the defense. They've, they've put themselves in great positions all year. They, and they've taken the ball away a lot, too, which they, they were able to uh, you know force a fumble and, and, and get that, but it was unfortunately too late for it to really make too much of a difference. But the defense has been, had been playing really well over the last uh, three or four weeks. And you, know, you even saw it in that Oklahoma game where K-State got down big early and was able to uh, kind of get their way back in that game with turnovers. Yep, it was just really hard for the defense to get much rhythm. Um, obviously, both sides of the ball need to kind of help each other out, and I think that that was a, a major problem in the game is, is neither side really need, got the help that they needed. Um, the, the defense really need the offense to... It's kind of that complimentary football kind of thing. Too. Exactly. You have, to, you have to be able to kind of, you know, as one of my favorite coach uh, cliches is, is the right hand washes the left hand and both hands wash the face. And quite frankly... You didn't see much of that uh, for K-State on Saturday. Nope. But the good news is, is that's behind them, and it was their first conference loss of the year. So, you know, uh, again, it's it, as bad of a performance as it was, I think we still sign up for where we're at. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great jumping-off point to get into this, this big-time matchup we have with the 14th-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys a game, quite frankly, that if K-State's going to make this an interesting race here as we get in, and, you know, of course, too, you know, there's still a lot of football to be played um, here with, with the Oklahoma State game coming up, then a bye week, then closing out with uh, Iowa State on the road, Baylor on the road, and then uh, Texas at home to close out the season. But when you look at this game, to me, against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State's coming off a really a heartbreaking loss of the game that they – I have no doubt feel they should have won. Uh, Texas, led by Sam Ellinger, comes back and um, wins a, an overtime thriller against the Cowpokes in, uh, in Stillwater. And really when I look at this game, I think it's a level of who is able to rinse off that loss that they had previous week. Now, K-State was pretty well dominated. K-State, or in Oklahoma State, loses a game that, quite frankly, they probably feel they should have won. Both teams sitting in, in the driver's seat uh, still here in, in the Big 12. Oklahoma State coming in 3-1 and one in conference play. K-State 4-1. and one. Of course, Iowa State also 4-1. and one. Uh, So you have three teams with only one loss, but you have a couple teams uh, with Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia with two losses. Now kind of have a little bit more life in the conference race in terms of being able to say, you know, we, we're right there too because Oklahoma still has games against – still has a game against Oklahoma State. Uh, Texas, they're sitting in, in the driver's seat as well for them. And then West Virginia, big matchup too uh, on the road in the 40 acres in Austin this week against, uh, against Texas with West Virginia and Texas hooking up. That is an, uh, essentially an elimination game, I would feel, uh, for, for who has the right to get to Arlington. Let's look at this Oklahoma State game. 
Um, of course, you, you, know, you kind of know about uh, the triplets, so to speak, for Oklahoma State uh, invoking a different type of cowboy with my Dallas Cowboys. It's not Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, and uh, Michael Irvin, but instead it's uh, Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, and Tylen Wallace. Uh, Wallace and Hubbard, of course, are, are two dynamic players uh, at the skill positions, and, and Spencer Sanders is a dual threat at uh, the quarterback position. It's not going to get any easier for K-State in terms of what they've seen offensively. This is probably outside of Oklahoma. Maybe you throw Texas in the mix. I have to say is the best offense in the Big 12. If K-State's going to be able to uh, be to be competitive in this game, they're, they're anywhere from 10 to 12-point underdogs, depending on where you look and when you look. But if K-State's going to be competitive in this game, to me it, it comes down to simply – is the offense going to be able to help the defense in terms of being able to you know, not go three and out, not have these short possessions just to give Oklahoma State the, the ball back? Because Oklahoma State certainly has a talented defense as well. Definitely, yeah. I think that time of possession is going to be a little bit of uh, – I know that time of possession is not viewed as important as it used to be viewed. But in this game, I think that it's, it's really important for the K-State offense to – to get some momentum, I mean, even even if they end up getting three, to to help the defense out on that time of possession and and control the clock a little bit, you know, kind of old school Bill Snyder K State style, uh, you know, obviously Kleiman's trying to do the same thing, um, but but I think that is a really important piece of the game. The the offense can't be going three and out like you mentioned. Well, and I want to kind of look here even further at what K State can do against this Oklahoma State defense because when you look at this Oklahoma State defense, it's one of the better ones in the conference. And K-State had that challenge last week with West Virginia. Uh, wasn't successful, uh, really, in terms of how they uh, were able to match up with that defense. Oklahoma State's a little bit different in terms I don't think they have as, as dominant a defensive line as what we saw on Saturday with West Virginia. However, as I mentioned, one of the top defensive defensive units in the conference. If K-State's going to have any traction in this game, you got to look at what they're going to do. It looks like they're going to get a little bit healthier, K-State speaking, on the defensive side of the ball with A.J. Parker looking like he's going to be able to go this week. Uh, he was absent last week against West Virginia. But uh, unfortunately for the offense here, uh, which we're kind of delving into, Briley Moore, uh, K-State's uh, top tight end, Looks to be a game time decision. Uh, you know who knows how that will break, but you know through the 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 several games that uh, that Will Howard has started at quarterback, Bradley Moore's definitely been a comfort blanket. With him not being ab- with him being potentially absent on Saturday, you're going to have to rely on on guys that uh, have been you know consistent performers throughout. Of course, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Case they didn't really have him overly active in that uh, in that game against West Virginia. I look here, nine carries for 22 yards. Of course, a lot of that being dictated by w- what West Virginia was doing in K-State not being able to open the, open the offense up in, in the pass game or the run game for that matter. Yeah, I think this game you've got to hope that, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Icon, West Virginia's – defensive line is definitely more talented than Oklahoma State. So hopefully that allows both the running game and the passing game to have a little bit more effectiveness to it. Um, Hopefully early on we can get some big runs, uh, you know, get some yardage and kind of open up the passing game as well as obviously the the inverse of that. Um, I think that for K-State it's really important that – both the running and passing game help each other out a little bit. Uh, Will Howard could definitely benefit um, from from having some more success on the ground, I believe, this week. Well, and you know, one thing that I want to talk about too is is while this Oklahoma State defense line, in my view, is not quite as good as as what we saw last week with West Virginia. Yet you still have a talented unit. I mean, you have Trace Ford, Tyler Lacey, each with three sacks on the season for. Oklahoma State, uh, Calvin Bundage from the linebacker position also is is a talented pass rusher. You know, quite frankly, I see this game as what is K-State going to do adjustment-wise? This is where, because everyone in this league makes adjustments to, to, to teams. In, K, in K-State's case, last week, 
one thing that I thought, you know, and, and we've seen it, you know, throughout, uh, you know, the, the later part of, of, of what we've played so far, is that teams are, co- are, are focusing in on, on, uh, on Deuce Vaughn saying, you know, this is really K-State's dynamic playmaker. You gotta look at wide receivers to to open up the passing game rather than just you know throwing the ball out of the backfield. I, I know they they get Deuce Vaughn, you know, split out wide and, and up in the slot uh, where he does most of his damage. But for me, this game comes down to a lot is what do uh, does the, uh, Messingham and, and the rest of the offensive staff do to be creative in, in finding mismatches where they can and. I think first and foremost, you, you got to get Deuce Vaughn more involved, but also too, you got to have more of a consistent, conventional style of running the ball. Yeah. Because if, if K State's going to run the ball at, at under two yards a clip uh, against Oklahoma State, it spells uh, it spells doom for K State, in my opinion. Definitely, got to have some success running the ball, uh, open up the play action, and really just help Howard out in that way, in my opinion. Well, and that's one thing too that I would like to see, I, I think that's really where Will Howard is best at, is yeah. in the play-action game. Because if you're going to ask him to drop back and be, a, you know, a, a, just a prototypical, you know, pro-style quarterback, I think his best attribute is in the is in the uh, play-action game. But the play-action game doesn't quite work unless you have uh, some options running the ball. I would look for K-State to get a little bit more creative in terms of, in terms of how they uh, – they run the ball, whether if it's quarterback run, uh, getting the ball out on on jet sweeps uh, to uh, to the wide receivers, and quite frankly, I, I think the screen game. Granted, it got blown up last weekend against West Virginia. I think that's something too, where you know I think Oklahoma State's going to be bringing consistent pressure throughout the day because when you have a true freshman quarterback back there, you know, inexperienced, making his first couple career starts. Any defensive coordinator's eyes light up at that possibility. So I look for K-State to, to do some of those things to, to ease some of the pressure off the offense, and, and especially Will Howard. Yeah, and I think that other key is trying to get Knowles involved early. Yeah, if they get, can get, get him if involved they can, early, absolutely. If they can get him involved early, that'll take a little bit of Oklahoma State's focus off of Deuce Vaughn. And if K-State can get those two playmakers um, – to kind of ham and egg it a bit, so to speak, I think that they could they could see some success in that way. Well, let's talk a little bit about what Oklahoma State does offensively. I mentioned their their trio of talented playmakers, but uh, you know, like any good offense, they've got more than just uh, they've got more than just uh, those those three guys. Of course, we mentioned uh, Sanders, Hubbard, and Wallace earlier. However, L.D. Brown is a, is a more than capable running back. I know Oklahoma State fans uh, prior kind of, you know, early in the season have been uh, thinking that, you know, L.D. Brown has maybe been their best running back to date. Um, he's averaging almost six yards a carry. Um, you know, a guy that is, is talented in his own right. Uh, for the receiving core, they've got Dylan Stoner, uh, Braden Johnson as well. Both uh, both talented wide receivers, guys with, with Stoner especially is is a little bit more of a safety blanket, but also a guy that can that can beat you deep as well. So I think K State's going to have their defense is going to have their work cut out because outside of maybe Oklahoma, outside of maybe Texas, to me, I think this is the probably at this point the second best offense in the Big Twelve. Quite frankly. With the way K State uh, handled what I think is a is a little bit of a, of a similar type of offense in terms of West Virginia, I don't think they have the talented uh, playmakers out wide out at the wide receiver position that Oklahoma State does. But it doesn't get any easier for K State in this matchup. No, uh, to me, I think the key is as much as as much as we've seen Sanders make all types of plays it seems to me he doesn't make as many from the pocket no if they can contain him and I think that's a big thing and you're seeing that more and more in the NFL as well is is a lot of these really good quarterbacks make a lot of plays outside the pocket and I think he fits into that kind of mold where he struggles more from the pocket and I think that the big key to me in this game is being able to contain on the outside sure I think that's because you if you can keep Sanders in the pocket I think that's a huge. I think that's a well well taken point there because when you look at what uh, he does, he's best out on the move. 
And, you know, quite frankly, I think that if K-State's going to be – if they have their way, they're keeping Sanders in the pocket. They're not allowing him to get on the run game as much. And I think that uh, we, we see a little bit more of that keeping him in the pocket – not let him get on the edge because that's where he can beat you. Not only throwing the ball because he does keep his eyes up looking to throw the ball downfield to his talented wide receivers, but he can also hurt you with his legs, of course, too. As I look here, um, Sanders on the season, as I get it pulled up, uh, 36 yard or, or 36 carries, 91 yards. Now that 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 takes in, into uh, you know some some shorter runs with some sacks and stuff like that uh, is figured in the mix here. But he can beat you. He, he's got a long run of 35 yards, couple t- and, a, and a touchdown as well to his to his uh, to his account, so to speak. I think if you make Oklahoma State keep keep him in the pocket, and I think K State has a defensive line to be able to give him some trouble because when I look at what Wyatt Hubert and what Khalid Duke. Have done. I mean, granted, I don't think they played their best game against West Virginia, but you know that they have the potential to do it. Yeah, and then the other thing that it feeds into is is at least from when I've watched Sanders, that's also where he makes his most of his mistakes is from the pocket. And I mm-hmm. think that turnovers, to me, this game really hinges on K State winning the turnover battle by probably a couple. Um, and I think that if you keep him in the pocket, your your chances for a turnover increase big time, whether that's through a fumble, um, you know, a, st- a strip sack, as well as throwing interceptions. All right. Well, I think we've kind of covered what we want to cover in terms of how we view these, these matchups uh, across the board for both K-State and Oklahoma State. Uh, K-State comes in this game a 12.5-point underdog at last check uh, over under is set at 46 uh, just for the folks at home to, to, to kind of digest here. Norm, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your prediction for this game? And, and is K-State able to, uh, to spring an upset o- over the Cowboys? I think K-State definitely has a chance. Um, like I mentioned, I think that the turnover battle needs to be fairly heavily in K-State's favor. Uh, but I do think that they have the playmakers on defense to uh, make that happen. My prediction, I think K-State loses by 10. I'm going to say like 31-21, somewhere in that range. I think that we cover. Um, And I think that if we get a score on special teams or on defense or anything like that, that could definitely flip. Um, but, But I think Oklahoma State's just got too much experience and talent and that they probably win the game. So we see this game similarly. I think that if K-State has any chance in this game, it's going to have to be from the non-offensive side of the ball in terms of either creating a short field, which they've done, or scoring on special teams, which they've done uh, so far this season. To me, I see it the same way. Oklahoma State has a little too much, little too much talent, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. One thing I will mention, though, I, I know I made uh, – kind of alluded to this here earlier in the podcast, is that both teams are coming off of, of different types of losses. K-State was really thoroughly outplayed in Morgantown. Oklahoma State coming off a tough loss uh, at home to Texas, which was an overtime game. They, they go Oklahoma State goes down, kicks a field goal. After it looks like Texas has, has maybe had this thing in the bag, Oklahoma State comes down. Kicks a field goal, sends it to overtime. Texas scores a touchdown, their first possession of overtime. Oklahoma State's not able to answer. When I look at this game, I think maybe the biggest key of this game is has nothing to do with the players on the field. It's which team is able to to rinse it off, find that it's a new day, and, and get themselves back on the right track. And the thing with Oklahoma State is I know they had playoff aspirations. A lot of a lot of folks were talking that. This is a team that, quite frankly, with the way the Big 12 is looking, if they take care of business, they're going to be right there for, for a playoff berth. And you know now that that looks pretty unlikely for Oklahoma State, now plenty of football to be played across the country and, and of course, on Oklahoma State's schedule as well. But you wonder, how is this going to impact Oklahoma State? Does, does Oklahoma State let Texas beat them twice? I think they have enough talent to get by K-State. I'm going to call it 
by the Cowboys in this game. Oh, wow. You're calling so, blowout. Eh, I won't say necessarily a blowout. I think K-State hangs around for the first half and maybe partially into the third quarter. But at the same time, I just think that Oklahoma State has a little too much talent, a little too much firepower, and I think K-State comes up on the short one or on the short end of this one. So I think that pretty much wraps it up here for the Oklahoma State preview. Uh, Norm, anything you'd like to add here before uh, before we, uh, you know, kind of get into the next part of the podcast? Just that I think you make a good point. Uh, we'll see how Oklahoma State comes out of this. Um, they've been a really good team over the years, but also a little bit of an inconsistent team. They sure. Get, they can get sure. on some bad little runs as long as some as well as with some great runs. Um so, yeah, I mean, what you say could be. I mean, maybe they do let Texas kind of stay in their head a little bit and, and they get a little bit um, a little bit down. Uh, but, unfortunately, I don't really envision that happening. But, you know, you never know. Yeah, you know, last year I looked back at, after K-State um, played Oklahoma State last, last season, uh, Texas Tech comes into Boone Pickens Stadium and beats it by two scores in a game that Texas Tech – you know, being last year a kind of a not not a great season for Texas Tech. Of course, I think last year they finished out five and seven or uh, or, or four and eight. I'm getting it pulled up here, of course, but that's really not that's really besides the point. A team that they should handle and they 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 don't. So you're going to see some of that inconsistency. I think Spencer Sanders as more uh, seasoned of a quarterback. I I just don't quite think that K State is going to have enough to keep up. But we will see. It's a game that I think K-State has the ability to go into and say, you know, at this point of the season, we're kind of playing with a little bit of house money at this point. I mean, we like we said, you lose your opening game of the season. You lose your starting quarterback, you know, shortly thereafter, so to speak. What, you know, at this point of the season, it's all house money for K-State. Let it all hang out. What, what do you have to lose? And I think K-State's going to give an inspired effort. I just think they're going to come up a little bit short in terms of the talent, in terms of the playmakers that Oklahoma State has. So I think that kind of wraps it up here for the Oklahoma State preview and West Virginia review portion of the podcast. After a short break, it wouldn't be fair to D. Lou to, to, uh, to, to give his Wildcat legend this week. That, that'll be on a short hiatus until he's able to join us, join us back. Uh, But we will answer listener questions in this week's segment that we like to call Ask the Icon. Join us after a break. Nice to have you back with us here on the short side option. We've got some questions from our loyal listeners. Um, Icon, this question is from Tyler H. Which will we know first, who the 46th president of the United States is or the winner of K-State Oklahoma State? Well, that's a great question. Hits on some hot-button issues uh, surrounding both K-State and uh, the rest of uh, the nation here as we as we make our way here uh, here through the 5th of November, through the 6th of November, as our folks are listening to this on the Short Side Option podcast. But, uh, you know, quite frankly, I think we might know uh, the outcome of the presidential election uh, possibly before, uh, before that final clock uh, hits zero. Uh, on Saturday at at the bill between K-State and Oklahoma State. So that would be my answer on that one. Okay, there you have it. Uh, Next question is from Mahomes2020. With Briley Moore injured, will this be slamming Sammy's coming out party? You know, that's a great question. I'm glad we get to this because I don't think there's been a more outspoken, more, um, I'd say outspoken is probably the best word, but a more uh, passionate, uh, I think, would be another good word in terms of uh, my opinion of what Sammy Wheeler could bring to this offense. Briley Moore, as I mentioned earlier, potential uh, chance not to not to be able to play as a game time decision going into the game against Oklahoma State. I think Sammy Wheeler has a lot of great potential as a pass catcher for this K State offense, and uh, as you'll remember last year, I think it was a, it, it was against Oklahoma State. Now, I do believe, if memory does serve me correctly, uh, it was maybe the first play after a lightning delay where, uh, as K-State fans may remember, this game was on ESPN Plus last year when K-State took on uh, the Pokes in Stillwater. And uh, when you look at it, 
uh, at that game and at that catch that Sammy Wheeler had. I don't think they were back from break yet. I think it might have been an unmanned camera that might have caught a little bit of Sammy Wheeler's catch, but he had a nice catch last year. I think you might look for more of the same uh, this Saturday at the Bill, hopefully with manned cameras, and hopefully you're able to see uh, the full uh, display of Sammy Wheeler's uh, pass-catching acumen as well as his playmaking ability. All right, next question from Trimgo Ema. What's your favorite COVID-19 face mask style? Do you get Ema with it? And and just so you know, when it refers to COVID-19, it means the novel. Oh, the novel SARS-CoV-2, of course. Well, so what I what I've transitioned to, and I I'm glad we get into this. I, when I went to the K-State KU game, I was there in person, as many folks may may or may not be aware of. I had a nice. I, I had. I took the opportunity to buy a nice gator. You know, one of those ones that you put up and down, kind of like uh, what Climate has, what a lot of other folks are wearing. It's kind of, kind of might be my new style, and it's it's it is K State fashion. You know, I, I typically go with the the normal you know twenty cent mask that you kind of find elsewhere. But the Gator is also uh, entering the mix in terms of a uh, in terms of a um, a vessel of of uh, doing what I can to uh, help prevent the spread. So that's a great question. Yeah, that's really good to know. Um, next one from Joey Kenny at J Kenny nineteen eighty seven. Just found out I'm going to be a virtual fan on game day this weekend. Need a good sign idea. Leader in the clubhouse is, quote, Mike Gundy was a system quarterback, unquote. But I feel like we can improve on that. Any thoughts? You know, I'm not much in terms of uh, being creative on the sign aspect of things. However, I will say this. I think that's a good sign uh, to go off with uh, to you know, as a basis. Mike Gundy, uh, I think he was a four-year starter at Oklahoma State uh, back during those times, and they had some decent teams. Granted, they weren't quite able to get over that Oklahoma hump, uh, which they they still haven't really shown the ability to do on a consistent basis. So I I endorse that sign uh, from Joey. I know uh, I'll be watching to see what he decides to go with on, on college game day. Okay, and the rest of the questions, we kind of have a mixture of questions for. Uh, they want to. They don't want to hear from me. They don't want to hear from the icon. They want to hear from. Uh, they want to hear from Norm. Yeah, I don't know about that, but but the next one from from Jason Hoover is to me, and he's curious on my thoughts on the Masters in November. Uh, I think that it's going to be a great tournament. It's going to be interesting to see Augusta in the fall. I'm going to be curious to see how different it plays. I have not really looked at the weather forecast or. Or anything like that. Uh, what I do know is, is I am looking forward to seeing uh, the Masters twice in six months. I can't think that that's going to get a lot of golf fans kind of excited, and and I'm hoping to see Rory McIlroy um, complete the slam. Yep, complete the slam. Uh, that would be nice to see. Now, can, do you mind if I hop in here? Because I I, uh-huh. I follow the golf a little. Do bit. I mind? Hey, this is this is your platform, bud. You know, here's what I'm going to look at. I I would like to see Rory McIlroy, you know, complete that career grand slam, grand slam as much as you would. However, can you bet against Bryson DeChambeau right now? The guy is bombing it a million miles. He he he's able to make the putts. You know. I, I don't think that there's a course that maybe doesn't suit him well out there right now. And quite frankly, I mean, he's the odds-on favorite, so I, I wouldn't ever pick the chalk favorite. I've got it pulled up here. But you know who else I'm looking at, too, is is a guy a little bit further down the list. And, you know, a guy that I'm looking at, if you want to find maybe a little bit of a long shot, not super long shot, but a, but a bit of a long shot that I'm going to maybe – Hitch my wagon to is Patrick Cantley. Okay, you take him. I'll take Finau. You take Tony Finau, and, and we'll okay. see what happens. Okay, well that's that's your Masters uh, little update here, and you know another. I'll give I'll give one more out, even a little bit further down the uh, the odds. If you look at them right now, you're seeing maybe even fifty to one. A little redemption story, guy that plays Augusta well, Mr. Jordan Spieth. Hey. He, I saw today the game. Houston the game. out there in Houston. He was he was hitting the ball well, making some putts. You, you'd like to see him. I mean, he's he was at the top of his game, you know, three, four, five years ago, and you know he's he's fallen a little bit of tough times. But I think, quite frankly, you know, getting back to Augusta, getting back to a, a setting that he always plays well, 
I think Jordan Spieth might be be worth a flyer there, uh, where you can see him anywhere from fifty to forty to one. So okay, there's your Masters coverage. Right that there. that's about you. Don't, you don't find that on many other K State podcasts. I will say. <laughs> Fair. Only on the short side option can you find that. We've got another question from me or for me, excuse me here from Justin Brownlee. Asking why Beto O'Rourke has been unsuccessful in Texas. Now, and I, I want to give listeners a little bit of of a uh, you know a little bit of inside knowledge here. Fire away, part you you, uh, you used to be a um, a native of Texas. Yep. So you you know the land, lay of the land. You know the landscape well. I'll let you speak. Extremely well, and um, essentially, uh, I'd venture to say because contrary to popular belief, Texas is still pretty red. Beto's not going to win Texas. I hate to tell you guys. Um, because, frankly, it's just not going to happen. Okay. So, there, there ask, it, ask and answer. There we go. Um, next question from Cat Kid. And I'll handle this because uh, Cat Kid, Ben Trent, as he's, as he's known on Twitter, is a, um, a frequent contributor here to the short side option. And when you associate Ben Trend with a short side option, you probably associate Philosopher's Corner. And um, we, we go into Philosopher's Corner at this time. He asks, Men in general are neither very good nor very bad, but mediocre. He asks, Are we just mediocre? Should we accept mediocrity? Here's what I have to say to that. That's a great question uh, there from, from Ben Trin as, as he enters the fray here on the Short Side Option podcast. When I look at things here from the K-State perspective, I mean, you look at what K-State's done so far this season, it's easy. The, the, the analytics, the numbers say, you know, this K-State team's just as average as it gets. They're lucky to be where they are. They're not a very good team. You know, whether if you look at uh, the Sagarin ratings or Bill Conley's S&P Plus, the analytics do not favor K-State really in any, in any sort of methodology there. However, I will say this. I think K-State's made their own luck a lot this season. And I think one thing that K-State has done is they've exploited some holes in kind of these analytical theories about what makes a team good and, and what makes a team bad because – They've done it in a little bit of maybe unconventional ways in terms of what they've done on the special team side of, of the ball, what K-State's done not turning the ball over. Uh, going into um, the TCU game, they've been the only team in the country not to turn the ball over through three games. Now, granted, Sammy Wheeler, or granted, excuse me, um, I, can't get, I can't get Sammy Wheeler out of my mind. This guy's just going to be a, a superstar, and I've, I've been Legend. telling everyone that has, has been willing to listen to that. But Will Howard is has uh, shown some struggles, shown some maybe some freshman uh, inconsistencies um, with what he's done offensively. I have to think, though, that this team is not exactly mediocre. I think that K-State's done well uh, so far this season, maybe a little bit fortunate for what they are. I think Saturday will tell us a little bit more about if this team is is really a contender or if they're just simply you know, kind of a, a middle-of-the-pack team in the Big 12. Okay. Uh, one more question here from Rusty Ross. And he comes to us a little bit off the board here, doesn't he? He does. Yep, he's a, a new uh, new follower of the program, apparently. Um, an Arkansas fan. So, you know, uh, come on, come all. Absolutely. Razor, Razorback Nation. Absolutely. But he was asking if Arkansas will win two more games in the Southeastern Conference this season. And, and when you look at that schedule, it, it gets it, it isn't it isn't favorable to the Razorbacks. However, they have some opportunities. Uh, as I've got it pulled up here, as I, I always have Arkansas schedule pulled up, you know, I guess I'm always I'm always breaking down potential options, you know, throughout uh, you know all of college football, especially the Southeastern Conference. I I keep close tabs on everything. Everyone knows this. And uh, when you look at what they've got. Uh, coming in here this weekend, they host Tennessee next weekend. They go on the road to Florida, home against LSU, on the road at Missouri, and then they close out shop when they welcome Alabama uh, to uh, to Fayetteville. He's asking if they're going to find two wins. 
quite frankly, I think their two best chances are Tennessee this week. And I'll go ahead and say I think they have a chance to beat LSU uh, at home. I think their two best chances are their home games outstanding of Alabama. I don't think that they have a snowball's chance uh, to beat Alabama. Alabama's rolling right now. Mac Jones has shot himself uh, away from kind of the, the moniker of being a game manager into being a guy that is a, a big-time player for the Crimson Tide. And I believe at last check, he might be the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy at this point in time. So Alabama is going to be a, is a little bit too tall of an ask, I feel. But I think Tennessee and LSU are the best chances for Arkansas to get to that second or to get to those get to their fourth win, I, I should say, in Southeastern Conference play as they enter at two and three. But I gotta say, I don't see it happening for Arkansas. I think they they probably win one of those games. I don't think they're beating Florida. I don't think they're beating Missouri uh, either as well. And then of course losing to Alabama in the season finale. Your thoughts? Okay. Well, I I think that if they beat Tennessee in their upcoming matchup, I think they're gonna have some momentum. I think they're going to have some good vibes behind them, kind of getting the program back going. And I think they'll have a chance. I would put the over-under at one and a half, and, and gosh, I really – I'm going to – you know what? Yeah, they're going to win two. You're signing they're up They're going to win two. I, yep, you know, I'm in. But I, I really like the Florida team that, uh, that Dan Mullen has. I know that they've got a big matchup this weekend with uh, Georgia and the, and the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Granted – Anything can happen in college football, of course. You see, you know, teams, I know Florida's had issues with COVID and all that stuff in terms of being able to fill the healthy squad and, you know, had to have some games or had to have one game against Missouri postponed and then later made up. But I think it's a little too tall of a task for the Razorbacks to, to, get, uh, to get to where they want to be. So I'm going to go under on that. Well, Icon, I appreciate you having me on the program today. That, that's all we got for questions? That was it. Yeah, you have any questions for the icon? No. No, not offhand. Nada. Nada. Okay, well, folks, that'll do it here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, special thanks to uh, to Norm for filling in for for D. Lou as we uh, we make our way here through the rest of the K State football season and beyond. I know D. Lou will be will be back into the fold here shortly. Uh, but I wanted to uh, to thank Norm for for chiming in and and helping me out here this week on the Short Side Option Podcast. They'll do it here for the short side option this week. It's going to be a tough game against Oklahoma State on Saturday. As we mentioned, K-State, about a 12-point underdog, 12.5, depending on where you look. The game uh, will be on uh, Fox, Big Fox, with Tim Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman on the call. So be sure to tune in unless you're able to be at, uh, oh, excuse me, 3 o'clock. My mistake, my mistake. 3 o'clock, Fox, Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman on the call. So that will do it here for us on the Short Side Option Podcast. Thank you for listening, and go Cats!